It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over seven inches tall. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's a throwback Thursday episode. If you're listening the day it is uploaded, it is a Thursday, September 7th. This is podcast number 1,361. Right next to me is... Kimmy! I got one name! Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend. Where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly Jimson wheat. Back in the saddle again. Yeehaw, that's what uh, that's what's going on here. You have the radio rodeo. Uh, that's right. Uh, hey, partner. Hey, howdy. Howdy, partner. Yes, uh, we're here, and uh, it's the wild, wild what? No, I'm just kidding. This is not the Western version of the Riley and Kibbe show. It is a throwback Thursday version. We will go back in time, I guarantee that. And tell your friends that you found a place that offers pop culture escapism. A look at yesteryear. That's what we do, correct, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. With every single episode, yeah, we talk about current things too, but we also really focus on the world of yesteryear in the world of pop culture. And by saying pop culture, that means it could be just anything, not just limited to one subject matter. That's what the Riley and Kimmy show is all about. We are a variety talk show. And you can hear all our episodes. All of them are archived. They're available right now on our website. Also on our website is our social media links. You can help the show grow by liking our Facebook page and sharing it with your friends and other social media we are we are on as well, like Instagram and YouTube, just to name a few, and Twitter. And also on that website, you will find celebrity interviews, videos, nerd news, links to pop culture things, and other things we talk about too, by the way. And also our contact event page. If you'd like the Riley and Kimmy show to be at your upcoming event, just check out our contact event page. And you can reach us right there. Kimmy, what is our web address where all those things are located at? RileyandKimmy.com RileyandKimmy.com The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That is the question. A throwback Thursday... Recording this way before the hour of sunrise, does Kimmy want to play nerd and pop culture trivia on a throwback Thursday? Let's do it. We have a pop culture timeline that has been adjusted, meaning it is not in chronological or linear order. Shout out your answers. Help Kimmy along. Get things right. She believes in time travel answers, so yell at whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Thursday is the day. September 7th is the date. And we're going to trivia. Kimmy, very first question we have is about beauty. Give me the year within 10 years the first Miss America is crowned. When does this happen? 1950? You're saying 1950, the 50s. Mm-hmm. The first Miss America is crowned in Atlantic City, New Jersey, 
She is Margaret Gorman of Washington, D.C. The year is 1921. Oh. Moving along. This network makes its debut. Give me the year it makes its debut within five years, but that's the second question. The first question is, tell me, it's a, well, it's shortened name, what it's identified as. Its official name is Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. It made its debut on cable TV on this date. What is it known as? ESPN. And when did ESPN come to be within five years? 1972. Ooh, she almost got it. 1979 is when that happened. Did ESPN ever play in your homes? Mm, Probably. Okay, but you weren't an ESPN watcher. No. All right, moving along to something else, Kimmy. The nickname Uncle Sam was first used in reference to what country on this date? The United States. Yes. When did Uncle Sam first appear? What year within 25 years? 18... No. 1910. You're on the right track first. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. The reference appeared in an editorial in the New York's Troy Post the year 1813. Mm, I'm Uh, not doing so good today. Is there anything you need to talk about here, Kimmy? I don't know. Are are you sure you're okay? Mm. Are you all right? Wow. Uh, Okay. Well, uh, you you know, it's Throwback Thursday. I know. It's not Throw Up Thursday. Mm -mm. You're all right, right? Mm -hmm. Not turning green on me, are you? No, no, no. Okay. All right. Just making sure here. Maybe, Maybe... you will redeem yourself with the next one. What do you say? Okay. Because it is television-based, Kimmy. Okay. The next one, this TV show was seen for the final time on network TV. Identify the TV show. The Beverly Hillbillies. And what network aired it originally? You have a choice of three. CBS. And Kimmy, you're on a roll now. See? How's that feel? Yeah. Got, got some wins. That's better. Got some wins. What year within five years did the Beverly Hillbillies air for the final time? 1972. Unbelievable. You are a hillbilly groupie, aren't Woo! you? Yes. Yeah, well, no, it's supposed to be this. Yes, Kimmy almost got it right on the mark. It's 1971, and when it aired for the final time. And shortly after that, the person who played uh, Ellie Mae, you know who that is, right? Donna Douglas? Yeah, she would appear on Night Gallery. All right. Yeah, 1971. It was on this date in 1975, Steve Anderson set a record for picking, no, not his nose, no, not something else, picking a guitar. Anderson, at the age of 22, picked the guitar nonstop for 114 hours and seven minutes. Mm. He broke the old record by more than four hours. Fun. Would you like to attempt that, Kimmy, no, at, at an upcoming event? No, now, any uh, people, you know, anybody who plays guitar, uh, you know, if you would like to do that and maybe, you know, set a world's record, hey, let's just make sure it's still the top record. We would love to see that happen, wouldn't we, Kimmy? Sure. Staying in the world of television, Kimmy, TV, the final episode of the original run of this series was aired for the last time on this date. Identify the TV show. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes, Dick Van Dyke Show. Final episode aired on what network on this date? Mm. 
ABC. CBS. And what year? Within five years. Now, keep in mind, the Dick Van Dyke Show was top in the ratings when they pulled the plug. 1965? Near close. 1966 is when they decided to end it. They probably could have went a few more years, but they decided they didn't want to revisit storylines and things like that. They thought they'd, they'd been as fresh as possible. Seinfeld supposedly used that as a model to pull or you know end his show when he did. It was on this date, Gimme, that the patent for the Raggedy Ann doll is issued. What year did this happen? Within 25 years, when did Raggedy Ann come to be? 1810. That's interesting. But no, it's 1915. (laughs) Now, why I also find that interesting is the other day, uh, one of the fur kids happened to be watching an episode of Little House on the Prairie. And a child on Little House on the Prairie was roaming around with a giant Raggedy Ann doll. You know, I mean, it, maybe she was real small, but the doll looked really big. Mm-hmm. And I was questioning the accuracy of that. Mm. I was like, okay, I don't think we've crossed into the turn of the century here. You know, I was just kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're accurate on that one or if that was a stretch, mm. you know, having the Raggedy Ann doll. Next question's about a comic strip, Gimme. Give me the decade it first appeared in newspapers. The Bumsteads. Is what this comic strip is about. Tell me the name of the comic strip. Blondie. Blondie! Yes, Blondie, which would eventually go to radio. Now, the question for you, and in film and TV, the question for you is, what decade did Blondie make its first appearance? Was it the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, or 1950s? Mm, 1930s? You're right. And Blondie was originally a flapper. Uh, that's what she was, and, and Dagwood was very wealthy, and he loved her so much he gave up the wealth. His his father and his parents punished him for marrying a flapper. Mm. Yeah, you see, see what you learn here. Mm. Yeah, Blondie, 1930, moving to Hollywood and marriages. Kimmy, are you ready? Mm-hmm. We're gonna test your knowledge, especially with uh, classic cinema. The year is 1943. She played Gilda. That is Rita Hayworth, at the age of 24, marries an actor. Who does she marry, or do you need an audio clue? Orson uh, Welles? Yes, the person who'd uttered those words. That's right. She marries Orson Welles, 1943, and they would act together in just one movie. You knew that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one film. The year's 1957. This person's single is released. Identify the recording artist. Darling, you sent me. I know you sent me. Darling, you sent me. Honest you do. Honest you do. Honest you do. Whoa. Can you identify that voice, Kimmy? Mm, no. Oh, you don't know Sam Cooke. That's You Send Me. It was released on his date in 1957. The year is 1963. This TV show moves to California and airs once a week as opposed to daily. Two-part question. Identify the TV show and then tell me what day of week it aired. American Bandstand. Yeah. On Saturdays. That's right. Saturdays, but originally a daily show. Uh, and then it moved 
when I moved out to, to California and went to one day. The year is 1969. The half-hour Saturday morning cartoon The Beatles aired for the last time. The show had debuted September 25th in 1965. None of the Beatles voiced the characters of the Beatles. Mm. Have you ever seen that cartoon? They used mm. to run it on WGN in Chicago. No. I, I, yeah, they used to run it. and yeah, I, I thought you, I, you're not familiar with it. Mm-mm. Interesting, because you're a big uh, Beatles fan. Let's see how you do with this one, Kimmy. It combines American history, politics, and a certain crime TV show that was quite popular. The year is 1977. This Watergate conspirator is released from prison after serving four and a half years. He had two guest appearances on a certain TV show in the 1980s. Identify the TV show. Miami Vice. That's right, Kimmy. He appeared on Miami Vice not just once, but twice. He played Captain Real Estate, a nemesis of Sonny Crockett's from Vietnam when the Vietnam War years. He's a really nasty guy. Can you tell me who we are talking about that was released from prison on this date in 1977, became a conservative talk show host? Oh, boy. Yes, I know who it is. You do know who this is. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book called Will, an autobiography. Talks about eating cockroaches Mm -hmm. in prison. Yep. Who is he? I definitely know. He appeared, as I said, twice on Miami Vice as one of the, you know, like one of the baddest of the bad. Uh, give me his initials. G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Yes, G. Gordon Liddy. 1977 is the answer. And according to some sources, they almost uh, did a spinoff of his character from Miami Vice. I, mm. I think it was going to be like a prequel. Kind oh, of thing. okay. You know, I, I'm not certain if that the validity on that. The year is 1979. This person releases the album called The Pleasure Principle in the United Kingdom. It will eventually be released in the United States. Here is a single from that album. Tell me who the recording artist is. Here in my car, I go Oh, that threw her. She wasn't paying attention to the year. She just heard the title of the album. That's yeah. all it was. She didn't hear 1979. Kimmy, tell me who had that album or that single came from the album, The Pleasure Principle. The, the song's called Cars. Gary Newman. That's right. By the way, not a number one hit in the United States. Billboard Hot 100. It reached number nine. Let's see how you are with uh, famous people. And, well, kind of talking about The Pleasure Principle. Let's talk about... Actress, singer Janet Jackson. On this date in 1984, she married a singer. Who did she marry who was part of a singing family? Elle DeBarge? Close. Uh, a relative. She married James DeBarge on this date, part of the DeBarge family. So we will give you that as a positive. The year is 1986. Kimmy Michael Nesmith joins the other original members of this band on stage for the first time since the band disbanded. Tell me the name of the band. Def Leppard. I think we need to ask Kimmy this question again. The year is 1986. Michael Nesmith joined the other original members of this band on stage for the first time since the band disbanded. And they had a very popular 1960s TV show. The Monkees? Hey, the monkeys. 
monkeys, the people said we monkey around, we're too busy singing. Yeah, that's right. Michael Nesmith, Kimmy. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you to name any other members of the Monkees. I thought you'd actually, I thought you knew the Monkees. Not really. Okay, but staying in the world of music, let's see how you do. Moving a few years, well, not really a few years into the future. Uh, The year is 1987. This single is released by this artist. It reaches number five on the Billboard Hot 100. Identify the single, Kimmy. All right, can you tell me the name of that hit? I want her. Yeah, Kimmy got it right. Let's see if she can... uh, she can really hit it out of the park with this one. Tell me the name of the recording artist, Kimmy. Mm. That is Keith Sweat. 1987, I Want Her, was released. The year's 1991, actor Harry Hamlin. You know who that is, right? Uh-huh. Marries an actress. Who does he marry in 1991? Um. Again, I can picture her. You can, okay. Do you want her initials? Sure. N S. I can't. Nicolette Sheridan. Oh, that actually isn't who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. The year is 1998. Mark McGuire set a new Major League Baseball record. For most home runs hit in a single season, the previous record was 61, set in 1961. The year is 1999. Viacom. Viacom announces that it plans to buy CBS Corporation. 2001, Barry Bonds became only the fifth player in Major League Baseball history to hit 60 home runs in a season. Tell me what team he is playing for in night well, in 2001, Kimmy. Uh, Cardinals? He's playing for the San Francisco Giants. Celebrity and notable birthdays, Kimmy. This person born 1923, died 1984 at the age of 61. He was a member of the Rat Pack. You know who the Rat Pack were, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of have an understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. He was part of the Rat Pack, not Brat Pack, the Rat Pack, Kimmy. And he was brother-in-law to a president of the United States. He was brother-in-law to JFK. Here's your audio clue. Identify who this person is who was born on this date in history. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here's your audio clue. I've come to Chicago to talk about saving money. Not in a bank, but right in your own home by adapting it to your growing needs, which is what First Metropolitan Builders does best. They've been helping Chicagoland families remodel their homes for over 25 years. Thousands of families, many of them your own neighbors, have discovered that a sensible remodeling not only gives them more house to enjoy, but also a more beautiful home as well. Your old home can become your beautiful new home simply by calling First Metropolitan Builders, the people who've been building with Chicago for over 25 years. All right, Kimmy, that commercial actually aired in your, uh, well, in the area you're from. You may have seen it a few thousand times way back when because he did plenty of uh, commercials in the Chicagoland area. Can you identify who he is? 
That's the one I don't know. Okay, KB, let's do it. Let's rule it out. He, it's it's not Frank Sinatra. Right. It's not Dean Martin. Right. It's not Sammy Davis Jr. Right. It's the other one. Yeah, the one I don't know. You can't tell me who it is. Mm-mm. Hi, I'm Peter Lawford. Yes, it was Peter Lawford. Okay. He was born on this date, 1923. Kimmy, have you ever seen a movie Peter Lawford's been in? I don't know. Uh, he's been in quite a few, Kimmy. Also TV shows and things like that. I, if I remember correctly, he played a murderer on Columbo one time. And according to, you know, um, conspiracy things, uh, reports over the course of time, Peter Lawford actually was there. He discovered Marilyn Monroe's body, but was kept out of that because of his connection to his brother-in-law. Because mm. he had been talking to her, was concerned about her, and went to her cottage, and he found her in, yeah, yeah in cover-up. Supposedly, maybe, maybe not, don't know. Not certain about that. Next person born on this date, a musician, Kimmy. Identify who he is. Here's your audio clue. If you knew Peggy Sue, then you know why I feel blue without Peggy. Not the Peggy Sue. Oh, well, I love you, Kelly. I love you, Peggy Sue. And who is it? Buddy Holly. That's right. Born in the state, 1936. Died at the age of 22 in 1959. Moving along on the birthday list, Kimmy, see if you can identify this person. Having a birthday today is 75 years old. He's an American actor. He has been called the first black action hero. That's because he played Detective John Shaft in the 1971 film Shaft and its sequels, Shaft's Big Score in 72 and Shaft in Africa in 73. Who is the actor? Isaac Hayes? It's Richard Roundtree. Oh. Who's having a birthday today. He is 75. Next person, a singer, Kimmy. Really known for the disco era. She had some top hits. Tell me who the birthday person is. We have two clues. Here's your first clue. One hit. Yeah, number one on the Hot 100 back in 1979. I will survive. Who is the birthday person, Kimmy? Gloria Gaynor. You got it right. Can you tell me her other top ten hit? Ooh. She had another one. She actually had other hits. They hit like number 42 and number 82. We're not talking about those. This one hit the Hot 100 at number nine in 1974. Can you do it? Mm -mm. Never can say goodbye. I never can say goodbye. Right at the uh, kickoff of the disco era right there with that. Gloria Gaynor having a birthday. She's 68 today. Next person best known as the founding member of this rock band. Tell me who she is. Lead singer. And tell me how old she is. Here's your clue. Now we're back in the Kimmy, identify who that lead singer is. Chrissy Hines. And how old is she today? Uh, 67. 
You get it. She's 66 today, and she's founding member of what band? The Pretenders. Yeah. Moving along here. Actor having a birthday today, Kimmy. Known for a certain TV show. See if you can identify it. He played on the TV show for a, well, quite a long period of time on NBC. Here's your clue. I think Kimmy knows what it is. Kimmy, can you identify the TV show this person's known for? L.A. Law? You're correct. Now, he played on the show as a divorce attorney. He played Arnold Becker on the show. Here's your audio clue. Tell me who he is. Thanks, Julie. What exactly are you buying when you go to a dating service? If the ads are to be believed, you're buying happiness, romance, love, that's how it was sold to Diana Dorian, a secretary from Sam Dimas. She signed a contract, spent hours on end looking at videotape over a period of six months in New Horizons. She selected over two dozen men and got only three responses. Arnold Becker for News at Noon. Julie? <clears throat> Michael? Uh, no. <clears throat> not, uh, not unless she's into candlelight dinners, long walks on the beach, and, uh... Midnight swims. Well, if by that you mean I believe every woman has one special light in her eye that can only be seen by one special man, then I'm guilty as charged. No low contendere. Lock me up and throw away the key. Jimmy, identify who he is. Mm. His mother is a famous soap actress. Mm. His, yeah. His mother was a star on The Young mm-hmm. and Restless. Jeannie Cooper. Yes, that's his mother. Yeah, I can't think of his name. He actually started out in soaps himself. Mm-hmm. It's Corbin. Benson. Burnson. Uh, Burnson. Yes, who is having a birthday today. He is 63. I think he did a fantastic job on this throwback Thursday, Kimmy. Thank you. Now, what we're going to do, because you don't know, well, you, you didn't know one of the members of something, and... You just didn't have any clue. I I thought we'd offer for educational purposes to uh, well, enlighten Kimmy a little bit and maybe actually for those who have no clue about the person either. It's somebody we talked about on Trivia we're going to honor with a golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loves you. And that's the Riley Kimmy show. We have two examples from the golden age of radio of this actor. The actor Kimmy didn't know. Uh, that is Peter Lawford. We we have two examples. One's a comedy, and the other one is the other end of the spectrum. It's actually a horror thriller kind of episode. First one is called Come Live With Me from 1950, followed by A Terribly Strange Bed from 1954. These are back-to-back, uninterrupted, and safe for all ages, all ears to hear. Kicking things off, Come Live With Me from 1950, here's Peter Lawford on The Riley and Kimmy Show.
Come Live With Me is a gay chapter in an unusual marriage. As the curtain rises on Act One, William Smith, played by Peter Lawford, is taking a walk in Washington Square Park in New York City. Bill Smith is not married, that is, not yet. But if you were to mention marriage to him, his eyes would light up, and most likely he would say... If I just had the price of a marriage license, it'd make me very happy. Yes, sir, I'd rush right out and buy myself a big steak. And so, as you can see, Bill isn't a very good prospect for the tattered old panhandler who is now approaching. Oh, mister. Mister, could you spare a poor old man a quarter? I'm hungry and I... Why, Bill. Hi, Joe. Well, you had your head turned. I didn't recognize you. Oh, don't apologize. I'm flattered. What were you staring at? Over there. Oh, oh, three pretty girls on the grass, huh? Yeah, eating the picnic lunch. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Three lovely young tomatoes. Yes, and three lovely tomatoes are eating three lovely sandwiches. Spring, youth, and picnics, Bill. Oh, if I had one wish, I'd turn into a hot-blooded young man again. <laughs> and you? Well, I think I'd turn into an ant and head for those sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, here's an empty park bench, Bill. Shall we? Why not? <laughs> there we are. Yeah, spring, a park bench, and a wide blue sky. Yeah, and a thunderstorm on the way. Uh, yes, we may have some rain at that. <laughs> oh, but my young friend, I ask you. What have the members of the Union League Club got that we haven't got right here in this park? Well, they've got protection from the pigeons. <laughs> I mean, when the guy's got only one suit. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Bill, I, uh, I take it you haven't sold any of those stories, you're right. No, Joe, I haven't. What seems to be the trouble? Well, when I write a mystery, the editor's looking for a romance. And if I write a romance, they want adventure. Oh, that reminds me of a friend I used to have years ago, before I turned into a bum. A writer? A songwriter. If he wrote a waltz, a song publisher wanted a bunny hug. If he wrote a love song, the song publisher wanted a novelty. Ah, no. That's exactly my trouble with stories. Yeah, but my friend figured a way out of it, Bill. He decided to write one song that had everything. <laughs> Sort of popular song to end all popular songs. Well? Well, that's just what he did. As I remember, he called it, um... Moon or the Flag in Dixie with Mother and Baby and You <laughs> Blues. <laughs> Today, he's a millionaire. I don't believe it. I never heard of the song. Oh, Bill, the song wasn't published. No, he married the song publisher's daughter. <laughs> Oh, a lot of good that does me. I thought you were going to tell me something that might help. Well, maybe that's what I'm trying to do. Well, maybe you'd better try again. I've come to like you since I've known you here in the park, Bill. I'm serious. So am I. Now, you went into the war before you had a chance to learn a business, and you're not being very successful as a writer. Let's face it, I'm a flop. Well, therefore, I figured that there are two things that you can do. Okay, name one of them. Well, you can marry a rich girl. Oh, no. No, no. I'm just a simple country boy, but even I know there's no money so hard to earn as the money you marry. Oh, no. Oh, but, Bill, what right have you got to deprive an honest young girl of true love merely because she happens to be filthy, stinking rich? <laughs> oh, Bill, it's, 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 it's un-American. 
It's out, too. No, huh? No. So, what's your second sure way to success? Well, now, this one I'm more sure of because here I can help you. <laughs> like me, you can become a bum. <laughs> what? Well, it's not as hard as it might seem, Bill, believe me. Twenty years ago, I said to myself, I said, now, Joe Darcy, if you'll just work hard and you use your willpower, you can become a successful bum. No, Joe, really, I, I could never do no, it. No, please, Bill, don't underrate yourself. You're upright, you're honest, you're intelligent. Why, Bill, you'd make a wonderful bum. Please, Joe, I, I know you're trying to be helpful, but... Well, now, 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 there's only one other thing I can think of. Yes? Well, just till your story starts selling, had you... Had you thought of a loan? Oh, sure, sure. All the big banks want to lend me money. Oh, be sensible, Joe. Who'd give me a loan without collateral? Oh, I would. You? <laughs> I suppose right now you've got a thousand bucks in your pocket. No, Bill, no, no, I haven't. No, of course you haven't. No, it's stitched into the lining of my coat. <laughs> it happens to be 9,438 bucks. Of course, I've got my annuities. I've got some property in Palm Beach. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. I really do. But the answer's no, huh? No. You see... When I started writing, I promised myself I'd keep trying until I went broke. Then I'd start digging ditches. Well, I'm not broke yet. Are you sure, Bill? Sure, I'm sure. And I can prove it. Here, let me show you something. I can find it in this pocket. Oh, yes, here it is. My, a whole dime. Right, Joe, only a dime. But as long as I can go around flipping this dime into the air and catching it, I'm not broke. See, like this. Oh, darn it, where'd it go? Oh, there, Bill, there, right on the sidewalk in front of you, Bill. Oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll get it. I'll... Ouch! Get off my fingers! Oh, dear, what happened? You step on a whole handful of a man's fingers and you say, Oh, dear, what happened? <laughs> uh, 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 if you touch that dime, girl or no girl, I'll punch you in the nose. Oh, but I did not see any dime. Oh, yes? When I dropped it and you stomped your foot down, and I guess you weren't trying to beat me to it. Oh, I, I was not. Oh, of course you weren't. Oh, no. Oh, but I tell you, I did not even see your silly dime. No, no, your silly fingers either. At first, I would have been happy to apologize. But you are rude. So now I will not. Young man, you are what we in America call fresh. Oh, so I'm fresh, am I? Yes, you are very fresh. All right, young lady, let me tell you something. When a guy drops his last dime and a dame comes along and tries to beat him to it, even if the dame is dressed like Park Avenue, we in America call that stealing. You oh. heard me. We in America call that dame a thief. Well, then perhaps you can tell me what we in America call thieves. Why, you... I bid you good day, Mr. Fresh. Why, I... Oh, Bill, wait, wait, please. Please, Bill, she's a girl. Yeah, but she slapped me. No, call it more like a feminine right cross to the left eye. A, uh, <laughs> uh, sort of a ladylike poke in the puss. Well, I just hope I run into her again. Oh, I'll remember her, all right? You can bet on that. <laughs> You'll remember her for several days, at least. <laughs> That left eye of yours has given birth to a king-sized mouse. <laughs> I know you are feeling low and low down on your luck, Bill, but don't you think you were just a little rough on her? Well, maybe I... No. Well, she seemed gentle and, and well-bred. Gentle, well-bred? Ha! She was a hoyden, a termagant. She was a henna-headed, over-rouged, overdressed, flashy, stuck-up hussy. And I just hope sometime I have a chance to get even with her. Oh, Darcy, bring Smith. Oh, Grogan, the cop. Hi, Grogan. Join us? Uh, I haven't got time. I'm trying to put the pincher in a dame before this thunder shower comes up. Wait a minute. Did you say you're looking for a dame? Yeah, yeah. Or on a federal rap, too. You guys seen her? 
I'll say we've seen her. No, no, just a minute, Bill, just a minute. Well, 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 have you guys seen her? Uh, Maybe, Grogan, maybe. Now, this was uh, a dame that was henna-headed, painted up, the flashy type hussy, huh? Uh, uh, Oh, no, 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 Joe, Uh, this dame... No, no, Grogan? Oh, no, 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 no. This is the loveliest-looking tomato that ever got ripe and fell off the bush. Copper-colored hair, blue eyes, and just the right amount of this and that in the places where you expect to find it on a dame, but usually don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Bill probably knows. I'm too old. Uh, But this dame, uh, she's a a loud-mouthed, stuck-up type, huh, No, no, no. I just got through telling you she ain't like that at all. This dame is in trouble. Plenty. But, but, But she's... Oh, well, she's as nice as your own kid sister. Have you seen her now? That girl we definitely have not seen, have we, Bill? Uh, well, uh, I mean, well, no, not that girl. Well, she was spotted coming into the park here, so so I'll find her. You fellas better get going now if you don't want to get rained on. So long, Grogan. Well, I'm going to run along too, Bill. Always makes me feel uncomfortable, uh, walking around with my coat lining full of soggy money. (laughs) And you, Bill? I'll sit here a while. I want to think about something. About something, Bill? Or, uh, about somebody? (laughs) Now, wait a minute, Joe. Just what did you mean by that? I didn't mean a thing, Bill. All I meant was, uh... But, Johnny, if this man was fresh to you, I'll, uh... no, Bob. Forget it. Why, I'll, uh, I'll go right over there and uh, have him arrested. Oh, you know how I feel about the police. Besides, the young man seemed worried about something. It was his only die. Why, the dirty bum, no, I'll... Uh... he didn't seem like a bum at all. In fact, he seemed rather nice. But let's forget him, Bart. Let's talk about us. Yes, Johnny, about us. There's something I want to tell you. Yes? I have become terribly, terribly fond of you... Oh, but... In fact, I love you madly. Well? You've been so wonderful to me. When I came to this country, I knew no one. No one. You were my father's American publisher, so I said, perhaps he will be kind to me. I want to be more than kind to you. I want to marry you. Please, Johnny, say you love me. It would be so easy for me to say it, but... But... But what? I keep thinking because you have been kind to me... I must be careful not to hurt someone else. Well, but whom could you hurt? Oh, of course, you mean my wife. (laughs) I have not met Mrs. Kendrick, but yes. Well, believe me, Johnny, mine and Diana's is a completely modern marriage. I'm afraid I do not understand. Well, it's quite simple, really. The Kendrick Publishing Company only publishes the books that Diana recommends. She's a brilliant woman, believe me. Your company is so successful, but she must be. Oh, she is. But she's also quite sensible. Now, I want to be absolutely honest about this, Johnny, so I propose to go to Diana and explain the whole thing to her. Of course, I'll have to, uh... Well, I'll have to pick the proper time. I'm sure you understand that. Oh, yes, but... Yeah. But I assure you that Diana will be sensible. I'll arrange a quiet divorce, say six weeks in Reno, a few months at the most, and there you are. Well, how do you feel about it? For so long, but I have been always hunted. Yes, I know that, Johnny Darling. And to have someone strong and solid to lean on, it would be so heavenly. Oh, so there you are. But 
A policeman. Grogan's the name. And yours, I believe, is Johnanna Jantz. Oh, Johnny, darling, I hope they wouldn't find you. I knew they would sometime. Uh, uh, come along with you now, before the rain starts and we all get soaked. Your name is Johnanna Jantz, I presume? But now I call it Jones, officer. It is more American. Uh, Jantz, Jones. I'm arresting you on a warrant by the Federal Immigration Department. Charge... Illegal entry into the United States. We'll, we'll come along now. But, officer, you simply can't do this. Oh, and can't I now? Well, now, maybe you've got some sporting blood in your veins, and maybe you'd like to lay a little wager on, can't I now? Uh, oh, please, Bob. Officer, what I mean is... I'm willing uh, to give you some right juicy odds on, can't I please, now? Please, it is no use. No, Johnny, I insist. Officer, let me explain. There, now you said it. Oh, I've been hoping for years that someday I'd pull a pinch without hearing some citizen or other say, but, officer, let me explain... Very well, then let me say this. If you take this girl in, you are committing a murder. Now, just a minute, bucko boy. I don't like that kind of talk. Maybe you'd better say some more. Quick. Gladly. And what I've got to say is all down in black and white, on the record. During the war, this girl's father fought for freedom. After the war, his country got a new government. And because he continued to teach freedom in the university, they killed him. Miss Jantz here managed to escape. But if she's sent back... They'll kill her, too. Oh, is, is, is that the way it is now, Miss Jantz? Uh, uh, excuse me, Miss Jones. Yes, Officer Grogan. Ah. Uh, that, as you might say, makes it smell like a different kettle of fish. I tried to get a quarter number. I tried to do it legally. But, uh, but they were after her. She didn't have time. Will the both of you kindly stop chattering when I'm trying to think now, will you? Hmm. Oh! Now, just by chance, the two of you wouldn't be married to each other, would you? Uh, no, no, we're, we're not married yet, but... Oh, of uh... course not. Myself here, I'm 20 years wed, and I can tell you act much too polite to each other. <laughs> but we hope to be, officer, Th that is... Hope uh... to be my poor flat feet. Get down to City Hall right now and get a license. Get it over with, quick. But, officer, please, I, I mean, uh, that is to say, In I... Bart, I... please, Mr. Grogan, does this mean you... Aunt arresting me? What does it mean? She stops to ask. It means if you're married to an American citizen, you can get a quota number and stay here till you can do it legal-like. Oh. It means I haven't got the sense the good Lord gave a goat, seeing as how I still believe in such things as justice and romance and, and stuff like that. And oh, Mr. Crocken, I think you are what, what you in America call simply swell. Well, it's a blithering idiot that I am. But mind you, it's one week I'm giving you to get married in. One week and one week only. And don't try to duck now because I'll have an eye on you. Hey, good day to the both of you now. What a nice man. Oh, but Johnny, he didn't help us at all. Don't you see? It would be six weeks at least before I could get a divorce. He's still a nice man. In fact, I like every American I've ever met. Except perhaps that young man who was fresh to me. Besides Bart... Have a whole week. Of course you have, and during that week I'm going to see to it that you have the time of your life, beginning right now. Please, Bart. I'd like to just sit here in the park, alone, and think about how nice it would be, how wonderful, how heaven it would be if I could think of some way to stay in America where people are so nice. People like you, Bart. People like Officer Grogan. Yes, and even people like that fresh young man. Hi, Grogan. Did you find that girl? Oh, Bill, Bill, what a girl, what a girl. You've been a single man and all, it's a pity she's already bespoke. But I thought you wanted to arrest her. Which so I did. 
And so I did. But, uh, <clears throat> well, have you ever heard the old saying about justice being tempered with mercy? Sure, everybody's heard that. But uh, this is a case, as you might say, of justice being tempered with matrimony. And here comes that rain. Come on, let's go on across the street and get under the movie marquee. I got a raincoat in my card box. So long, Bill. Oh, I'm gonna make that red light at the corner. I hope the fool in that car sees the red light. I watch out! I hope I did not hurt you. Are you hurt? Please tell me if you are hurt. You hit a man broadside and knock him flat on his. You! Oh, but I did not mean to hit you. I, I... You again. Oh, please, I, I did not mean to hit you, Mr. French. I, I mean, I, please, are you hurt? Well, unless this is a mud puddle I'm lying in, I'm about to drown in my own blood. Help me oh, up. Yes, yes, of course, I mean. There. Okay, can you walk? I'm not sure yet. Here, let me help you into my car. Here. Here. Ah, here we are. Oh, we are... We are holding up traffic. I'll go around the other side and get in. I guess I had better move. First you step on my hand. Then you hang a shanty on me. Then you knock me down and run over me. So what are you doing now? Abducting me? I am taking you to a hospital. To a doctor. I'm all right. No thanks to you. So if you'll just let me out... Then I shall take you to where you can get a taxi. Never mind the taxi. Oh, of course. I forgot. You have no money, have you? No, oh, I've still got a dime. Again, no thanks to you. I'm sorry about that, really. But if you have no money, perhaps you have no place to live. My room rent's paid for the rest of the month, thank you. I've seen better bachelor quarters, but... Uh... Wait a minute. Did you say you are a bachelor? Huh? Did you say you are unmarried? Listen, a lot of men are unmarried. Matter of fact, most men are born unmarried. You are a bachelor. You need money. You're an American citizen. You are an American citizen, aren't you? Of course I'm an American citizen, but... And in this place where you live, do you live alone? Now, wait a minute. What, what is this? Well, I was... I was hoping you would let me drive you to where you live, and then well, perhaps you would invite me in for a while. Invite you in? Yes. Just the two of us. Uh, uh, do you think that's uh, proper? I mean... Oh, of course, you mean we haven't been introduced. Now, your name is... Uh... Smith. Bill Smith. And yours? I'm Johnny Jones. Oh, it's quite a day for coincidences, isn't it? <laughs> well, are you going to invite me to, as we say in America, come up and see you? Oh, sure, sure. Only, uh... Yes. Only, Only what? You see, I, I've got nothing to lose. So if this is some kind of a racket, all I can say is that there ought to be a heap more like it. Well, here it is. Come in. Thank you. Well, as you can see, it's just a little place, but it's dreary. Isn't bad, really. It's a little bare, but... Oh, I've got a lot more stuff than you see here. Oh, you mean the apartment has another room? No. Oh, no, no, but I I've got a lot of stuff in storage. Oh. For instance, if you'd like to browse among my books, we can go around the corner to the pawn shop. 
Don't you do any work, Mr. Smith? Oh, yes, yes, of course. I write for some of the best magazines and publishers in the country. And I've got the rejection slips to prove it. <laughs> well, couldn't you get the job? I chauffeured a PT boat during the war. If you know anybody who's looking for a PT boat chauffeur... No, I'm afraid I don't. No? Well, it's probably silly. I'm even a hope. Of course, there's Grandma's farm, but I could never go back there. Oh, no. No. Why not? Well, you see, Grandma wasn't too keen about me coming here to the big city. But she'd feel even worse if I had to go back because I failed. Us Smiths are like that, you know. Oh, no, I could never go back until I'd sold a book or a story, Miss... Uh, Miss... Uh, Jones. Oh, of course. Those odd names always give me trouble. Aren't you going to invite me to sit down? Oh, I, I'm so sorry. Please do. No, 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 not that chair. Oh, why not? Well, the, the left hind leg of that chair, it's... It's got sort of a Charlie horse. Uh, maybe you'd better sit over here on the couch with me. Thank you. Well, this is, uh, cosy, isn't it? Yes, cosy. Well, how about some nice uh, romantic music? I can open the window and get the radio from across the street. No, thank you. Well, then, uh, uh, what about a drink? Some, uh, nice warm beer. No, thank you. Well, but I've got plenty of warm beer. A whole can of it. Please. No, Mr. Smith. I... Well, I, I guess that takes care of all the formalities. So, uh... You slapped me! Yes, I did slap you. Why, you... If you've hung another shanty on my other eye... Do I'll... you think I came here for that? Do you think I came here to be kissed? Now, wait just a minute, sister. Just a minute. If this is a gag, I think it's gone about far enough. If you didn't come here to be kissed, just what did you come here for? Well, I... Now, wait a minute. You aren't one of the, on one of those society treasure hunts, because if you are... Please, Mr. Smith. You are in trouble. But so am I. So... Oh, sure, sure. I'm just the fella to help you out. I've got money, position, influence. I've got money. My father left me some, but perhaps we can help each other. So please, listen. I'm listening, but I don't hear anything. Very well. <laughs> if you want to continue your writing, you must have money, right, Mr. Smith? Right, Mr. Anthony. More important, I must have money if I want to continue eating. Exactly. You have got to have money. Uh-huh. And what's your problem? I have got to get married. You got... <laughs> what? Yes, Mr. Smith. I have got to get married right away. Oh, now that is a problem. You, you, you sure you don't need that beer? I mean, they say that beer's very good for you, you know, and... Oh, you, you don't understand. Oh, I... maybe, maybe a glass of milk. Here, here, let me put these cushions behind you. Make you more comfortable. Stop fussing around me like an old hand. Well, I'm just trying to be helpful, Miss Jones. But you can be helpful. You can be very helpful. You can do me a great favor. Well, I haven't had much experience at this sort of thing. I, I mean, of course, if I can be helpful... We can help each other. You need money. And I... Oh, forget it, Miss Jones, forget it. Compared to you, I have no problem at all. <laughs> I mean, in your conditions... Please, Mr. Smith, please. As a great favor to me, will you marry me? As a favor? Oh, I'll be glad to do it. <laughs> will I What? Please, Mr. Smith, please. You see, you need money, and you don't happen to have a wife, and I have to get married. I just have to, so please, Mr. Smith, please. Well, can't you say something? Huh? Oh, sure, sure, I can say something. Well, what do you say? Uh, do you mind if I have that warm beer? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
so Bill resisted the request of a beggar man asking for a handout, only to fall into the clutches of a somewhat different beggar woman who asked for his hand. Now for Act Two of the MGM Theater of the Air, starring Peter Lawford. Bill Smith, the hungry young writer, as you can see, is the type of clean-cut young American that wouldn't think of marrying for money. He argued with himself and finally compromised. Yes, he decided to get married for not very much money. At the moment, Bill and Johnny Jones are still in Bill's Greenwich Village flat, and Johnny is saying... But, Bill, $17.30 a week, that isn't enough for you to live on. Oh, I'll get by. The less I spend, the less I have to pay back. But you don't have to pay it back. Oh, but I intend to pay it back. Every penny of it. But you're doing so much for me. Well, I'd hate to see anybody get back to the country where they've been murdered because of something they believe. But, oh, no, I'll pay it back as soon as I tell a story. This arrangement is strictly business. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Oh, don't thank me. You're helping me too, you know. But there are still some details to clear up. Yes? Yes, such as going down to City Hall and getting a license, such as getting up in front of a preacher and promising to love, honor, and obey. Oh, Bill, about that love. Well, what about that love? We can forget the love. As you just said, this is strictly business. Well, maybe we ought not to be too businesslike. I mean... Well, please, Bill. Strictly business. Hmm. No love, huh? No love. Okay, no love. Strictly business. Only... Yes, Bill? Only what? Well, it's... I mean, it's, it's sort of like buying a book and, and then not reading it. <laughs> a book. Johnny, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, Bill, what is it? No love. No, that isn't quite right. Without love. That's it. What a title, without love. Johnny, you've just given me an idea for a wonderful book. Outline for chapter 10 of Without Love by Bill Smith. The boy and girl have been married for three months. They see each other one day a week when the girl brings the check. <laughs> boy still knows nothing about girl, but they are happy. <laughs> Correction. The girl is happy. Boy wonders about girl. Girl is very pretty. But what is she like? Where does she spend her time? With whom does she spend her time? Yes, darn it, with whom? And who does he think he is anyway? She's my wife. She's... Come in. Joe. Joe Darcy. Yes, Bill. 
The Prince of the Panhandlers in person. I'll be right with you, Joe. Just plotting out one of my last chapters. Never see you in the park anymore. I have to come over here since you've become a married man. Oh, I, I've been working very hard. Uh, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't ask, but, uh, <clears throat> how's it turning out? Great, great. I don't want to brag, but it's going to be one of the best things ever put between covers. Your, your marriage? <laughs> the book. The book I'm writing about my marriage. You've read most of it. Oh, yes. Yes, I have. What do you mean, yes, I have? The other day you said you liked it. Oh, I do like it, Bill, but, uh, well, you're a hero. Yes, and what's wrong with my hero? I happen to like the guy. He's a guy that, well, he's pretty much like me. Oh, I like him too, Bill. Oh, but he lets that girl get away with murder. Always mooning around about her. But doesn't know anything about her. Never says anything to her about how he feels. Now, you're writing a story, but sooner or later, he's got to take action. Sooner or later, Bill, you've, you've got to put some trousers on him. Yeah, I, I guess you're right, Joe. I guess I should stop kidding myself. Now, come on, tell me, Bill. Uh, the book is my own story, and... I'm the married man who hasn't yet learned to wear the pants. I didn't mean to get personal. Oh, but you're right. For instance, what do I really know about Mrs. Bill Smith? Nothing. I don't even know where she lives. Why, for all I know, she may be out somewhere right now, this very minute, with another man. But, Bob, just why is this luncheon so special? As I told you, it's a celebration. For something nice? Johnny, I've got the greatest news since the day you told me three months ago that you could stay in this country. But I'd still like to know how you wangled oh, it. Oh, please, now don't ask me about that again. But what is your big news? Johnny, I've done it. I don't know why I hesitated about it so long, because it wasn't hard at all. I've talked to Diana, and she's agreed to give me a divorce. Oh, but... But then she didn't love you after all? Well, the funny part of it is she did. Says she still does. Oh, but there was no hedging about the divorce. She said, if I really love you and you really love me, she'd get the divorce. And, of course, uh, we haven't any doubts about that, have we? Well, I... But, of I... course, we haven't any doubts, Johnny. Huh? Oh, no, Bob. No doubts at all. Only... Of course not. We love each other madly. Oh, yes. Madly. But I... Well, I have to do this... Discuss this with somebody. Yes, I'll go and discuss it with him right away. Discuss it? With whom do you have to discuss the fact that you and I love each other and want to be married? Well, I guess I'd better tell you all about it, Bob. I have to discuss it with my husband. Yes, yes, come in. Johnny. Hello, Phil. Johnny, I'm delighted I didn't expect you until your regular day, and that's tomorrow. I know. I made a special trip. I wanted to talk to you. Well, what do you know? Wishes do come true, after all. They do? Oh, why do you say that, Bill? Well, I mean, there I was, working at my typewriter, but all the time I was wishing that I could see you and thinking how long it is until tomorrow and wishing that you might just sort of drop in. Then there was the knock at the door, and I said, come in, and, well, here you are. Yes, here I am, Bill. But I wanted to talk to you about... Wait a minute, Johnny. Just a minute. Yes? I almost finished the book. The book? Our book, Without Love. Of course, I can't do the ending yet, but there's enough to send to a publisher. 
And I've got a copy for you, and I want you to read it. Oh, gross, Bela, when I have time. Oh, no, no, I want you to read, read it right away. You see, Johnny, in this book, you'll find all the things that I wanted to say to you and, and couldn't. Bill, please. You'll find all the things I feel about you and couldn't tell you about. You'll find all the things you mean to me and... Bill, oh, Bill, I'm so sorry. Sorry? But it's a good book, so good I know a publisher will buy it. I know it. And now that I've accomplished something, or almost accomplished it at least, I feel I have the right to talk to you, to tell you. <laughs> Bill, please, listen to me. Why, sure, Johnny, sure. But don't give me any of that sorry stuff, because I feel like celebrating. Bill, I, I've got to say this. I came here to ask you for a divorce. A what, Johnny? Please don't make it hard on me. Our marriage was a business arrangement on both sides. Now the situation has changed. Oh, no, Johnny, no. I, I couldn't give you a divorce. I don't know you well enough for that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's all right to marry a stranger, but, but to divorce him, you have to know him pretty well. I've been honest with you, Bill, so please don't make me tell you why I want a divorce. Oh, I see. You mean there's somebody else? Yes. Someone who has been very kind to me. Uh, and, and in that case, of course, things are different. I sort of hope we might get to know each other. And you might like me. And I, I mean, uh, there's no use talking about that now, is there? All right, Johnny. You'll get your divorce. I'm, I'm sorry it had to happen like this, Bill. Yes, so am I. I hope there are no hard feelings. Oh, no, no. Before you asked me to marry you, you punched me in the eye. This time, it's worse than a punch in the eye. But no hard feelings. Oh, no. Well, I... I guess that is all there is to say. Hmm? Yep, that's, that's all, Johnny. So don't let me keep you. I know you'll want to rush out and tell your friend that everything's all set. So, goodbye. Goodbye. I... I go now, Bill. Look, it isn't easy for me to stand here and look at you, so if it'll help you to get going, here's the manuscript for my book. It doesn't mean to matter as much now as it did before you came, but you can mail it on your way out. Here. Oh! Well, what's wrong? Did I misspell a name or something? Oh, no, Bill, no. To Mr. Bart... Kendrick, the Kendrick Publishing Company. Bart Kendrick speaking. Uh, Bart, this is Diana. Diana? Oh, uh, yes, Diana. Yes. Uh, yes? Uh, Bart, the fact that we're considering a divorce needn't upset my editorial work for you, had it? I mean, I suppose you'll still want me to read manuscripts for you. Oh, Diana, my dear, bless you. You don't know how much I've been worrying about that and hoping you'd offer to do it. I'll pay for it, in addition to the alimony, of course. Well, then you do want me to continue. Of course I do. You know I've never published a book without your recommendation. The fact is, I think it's been several years since I've read a book. Oh, please, Diana, I'd go broke without you. Then you can put me on the payroll as of now. I've read the manuscript you brought home the other night, and I've got a new book for you. Ah, good. What's it about? Oh, it's a delightful story. A fiction, of course, but it sounds awfully true. 
It's about a young girl whose life would be in danger if she went back to her own country. Uh, <laughs> yes? Yes. The only way she can stay in America is to marry an American citizen. She has one week to do it in. She has... Uh, uh, Diana, who wrote that book? Oh, young author nobody ever heard of. Uh, name of Smith. William Smith? Why, yes. Do you know him? Yes. Uh, no, uh, of course I don't know him. Uh, well, he's a definite new talent here, and I think you ought to meet him. You're darn right I'll meet him, and right away. Come in, Mr. Smith. I'm Bart Kendrick. Uh, how do you do, Mr. Kendrick? You can't imagine how excited I was when I got your telegram. Yeah, I was a little excited when I sent it. Uh, may I present uh, Mrs. Kendrick? How do you do? Uh, Mr. Kendrick and I like your book, Mr. Smith. Ah, uh, yes, Smith. That is, um... uh, Your characters seem like such real, live people. Oh, they are. I mean, mm. they seem like real people to me, too. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, there are several things I'd like to ask you about the book, Mr. Smith, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Well, now, of course, you haven't written the ending yet, but as I get it in the book, the girl is married to the poor young man, but she's really in love with uh, the, uh, the other man. She is not. She just thinks she is. If she really knew the guy, she wouldn't touch him with a ten-foot pole. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, just uh, why, if I may be permitted to ask, wouldn't she touch him with a ten-foot pole? Well, you see, the girl isn't on to him yet. But he's just a rich, stuffed shirt. He's, um, um... Sure, he's just a fat slob. <laughs> and besides, he's too old for her. He is not too old for her. He's in the prime of his manhood. God, please, he... you're shouting. Huh? Oh, oh yes, yes, I, I was. Yes. After all, they are Mr. Smith's characters. Oh, sure, Mr. Kendry. Deep down inside, the other man is just a king-sized pipsqueak. <laughs> now, do you mean to tell me, Smith, that you mean to let the husband get the girl? Well, it'd be different. And after all, he did marry her, you know. Well, but he's worthless. The hero of your book, Smith, is a, a weak-kneed, washed-out, spineless nobody. Now, just a minute, Kendrick. Whereas the other man is a splendid type. Cultured, well-to-do, man of the world, a great lover. He's a fat slob. He is not a fat slob. He's cultured, a man of the world, a great God, lover. God, stop it. Hey, what's that, Diana? The way you're talking about Mr. Smith's characters, one would almost think something personal is involved. Uh, there isn't, is there, Bart? Well, of course there isn't. Naturally, I'm uh, interested in the characters in a book that I may publish. I mean to say... Uh, you mean you're I... going to publish my book, Mr. Kinn? I didn't say I was going to publish it, Smith. Of course I... he's going to publish it, Mr. Smith. Now, Diana, I... He is if he expects to keep his chief editorial assistant. Now, please, Diana. Uh, there's your checkbook on your desk, Bart. I suppose you give Mr. Smith an advance to bind the deal. Well, I... Uh... Oh, all right. 500? Oh, let's be generous with Mr. Smith. After all, he has to live while he writes the ending. Two thousand. Two thousand? Bartram. Oh, all right, Diana. Two thousand will help you finish the story, won't it, Mr. Smith? Oh, yes, Mrs. Kendrick, yes, indeed. In fact, I'm going out right now and see the girl. I'm going out right now and get to work on the ending. Bill! Hi, Johnny. What are you doing here? I mean... Oh, I tracked you down and decided to pay a call. Mind if I come in? Bill, please, we said goodbye. Thank you, I will come in. Well, how do I look? New suit, new hat, a new car downstairs waiting for us? Rented, of course. 
And here for you, here's all the money you loan me, every penny of it. Beard, what does all this mean? You pack some things, and I'll explain it all to you in the car on the way to Grandma's farm. Well, I'm not going to pack. I'm not going to get into any car, and I am not going to Grandma's farm. Oh, no? Then I'll pack for you. I suppose your clothes are here in the bedroom? B, you stay out of my bedroom. Oh, I'm not going to steal the furniture. I'm just going to pack a few overnight things for you. Overnight? B, Smith, you get out of here or I call the police. Go ahead. But as I told you, it's all right to marry a stranger, but you know, have to know a person pretty well to divorce him. So there you are. No trip to Grandma's, no divorce. Well? Well, I... All right, Bill. But you get out and let me dress. Oh, of course, Mrs. Smith. Take all the time you want. Only if you aren't ready in five minutes flat, I'll come in and get you. All right. I said I'd dress. Now go on. There. Bart Kendrick speaking. It's Johnny Bart. He's here. He's there. Why, the weak kneed shrimp throw him out. Oh, he isn't acting like a shrimp. He's acting more like a big lobster. He's, he's taking me on a trip. He's taking you? But he can't do that to us, uh, to you. He says no trip, no divorce. Well, where is he taking you? He says he won't divorce me until he knows me better, so he is taking me to his grandma's farm. He's, he's taking you to his grandma's farm? It's up near Middleburg, Bart. I don't know where, but you can find it. I'll find it all right. I'll leave right away. Please, please hurry, Bart. He's got a very funny look in his eye. Well, you, you mean he's out of his head? Insane? No, not that. He, he's looking at me like a husband. We return to MGM's comedy romance, Come Live With Me, in just a moment. of the MGM Theater of the Air, starring Peter Lawford. It is late at night now, and Bart Kendrick still has not arrived at Grandma Smith's farm. In fact, at this moment, Bill and Johnny are going upstairs to retire. Bill Smith, if you dare try to come in my room, I don't let Grandma hear you. Just the same, I insist on having my own room. Shh! She'd be terribly hurt if she thought that we weren't really married. I mean, she'd be terribly upset if she knew that we were married, but aren't... I mean... I know what you mean. <laughs> now, about my room. Here, it's down this hall. That's why I wouldn't let her give us the guest room. Insisted on having the room I had as a kid. Oh, here we are. But where are you going to? The other door there. These two rooms used to be an attic. Well, uh... Well, uh... Good night, Bill. Uh, good night, Johnny. Uh, I'll just open the door and turn on the light for you. Thank you, Bill. There. There you are. Thank you. Oh, I'm happy to do it for you. Don't mention it. Well, uh, Good night, Bill. Good night, Johnny. Hope you, uh, sleep well. Thank you, Bill. Uh, wait a minute. Was something wrong? 
the partition in my room, the wall next to your room. He doesn't go all the way to the ceiling. Well, so it doesn't. I guess they didn't have enough lumber when they remodeled the attic. I could stand on my bed and look over into your room. You knew this, Bill Smith, didn't you? Well, I grew up in this room, slept in here every night till I was 21. I might have noticed it at one time or another. Oh, you are detestable. And you, Johnny, when you get angry like that, you are lovely. Oh. Well, uh, good night, Mrs. Smith. Good night. Yes, Johnny. Yes. Are you asleep? Oh, no, no. Fact is, I'm wide awake. That's funny. So am I. Yes, I am too. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Funny. Sure is. Bill? Yes, Johnny? Yes? I'm sorry I got angry at you, Bill. Oh, that's all right. That's what a wife is for, I guess. Good night, Bill. Good night, Johnny. Johnny? Yes, Bill. Yes? Are you uh, asleep? Oh, no. Wide awake. That's funny. So am I. I'm just sitting here at my window. <laughs> That's funny. You too? Yes. Bill? Yes, Johnny? Yes? What are those things that go... Well, they're crickets. Oh. Bill? Yes, Johnny? Yes? Why do they go? <laughs> well, they... Uh, there's a reason for it. Tell me. Well, uh, you see, that's the girl cricket that goes... <laughs> yes, and, and then if the boy cricket is, uh, shall we say, interested, he goes... You mean the girl cricket goes... Uh-huh. And the boy cricket goes... That's very smart of them, isn't it? I'll say it is. Well, good night, Bill. Good night, Johnny. Yes, Johnny? Yes? What are you thinking of? Oh, something that's been running through my mind. Yes, Bill? What's been running through your mind? A poem. Oh? Yes, something Christopher Marlowe wrote 300 years ago. Would you like to hear it? Yes, Bill. Well, it goes, Come live with me and be my love. And we will all the pleasures prove that hills and valleys, dales and fields, 
woods or craggy mountain yield. And I will make thee beds of roses and a thousand fragrant posies. And something, 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 I forget the line. And if these pleasures do thee move, come live with me and be my love. Oh, Bill, it was so... We're like everything here. So lovely. Thank you, Johnny. You're welcome, Bill. Uh, Johnny. Yes, Bill? Uh, um, a moment ago, what were you thinking of? Crickets. Crickets? Do you mean... Hey, Johnny, do you mean... Oh, Johnny, Johnny, darling. Oh, now, what in the... Let me in. Let me in, I say. All right, all right. I'll bet this never happened to a cricket. <laughs> Mr. Kendrick. Yes, at last. But how did you get there? I got here in spite of a blowout and two arrests for speeding. Now then... Well, I knew you were excited about it, but I, I didn't think you were this excited. I haven't had a chance to do any writing, but... Here, here, come on in. Fact is, I haven't had time to do any writing. Oh, so you've been busy, have you? <laughs> oh, busy as a cricket. I mean a beaver. <laughs> you might like to know, though, that I've taken the most important step toward working out that happy ending. Oh, you have, have you? Well, I haven't really worked it out, but if you hadn't knocked on the door... I mean... I think we've had about enough of this foolishness, Smith. Now, let's get down to business. Oh, but I am down to business. I'm telling you about my book. And... I don't give a hang about your book. Fact is, I'm beginning to suspect that my wife plotted this whole thing. Now then, where is she? Your wife? No, your wife. I mean my fiancé. Where's Johnny? Johnny? Do you mean you know my wife? No, are you idiot? I'm engaged to her. <laughs> I don't believe it. Why else would I be here? Oh, I know about how you forced her to come on this silly trip. She phoned me just before she left. Asked for help. Asked for protection. She asked for protection from me? Yes, so where is she, you kidnapper? Oh, now, just a minute, Mr. Kendrick. Just a minute. Well? How long have you known Johnny? I've known her ever since she came to this country. And I love her. Oh, so you were the other man all the time? Yes. Uh, no, I'm, I was the man who loved her. You were the other man. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. I just married her. Now, Mr. Kendrick, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you don't answer it, so help me, I'll kill you. You, you take your hands off me. Help! Now, answer this. Did Johnny make you buy my story? Did she? Did she? No. But it was your money all along, wasn't it? The money I was living on. No, please, Smith, no. Do you mean no? I mean my wife liked your story before she knew anything about you. And I only buy the things that she likes. And then when she found out... Why, Diana knew this would happen. She arranged it. She made me give you that big advance. What a woman. Okay, Mr. Kendrick. You'll get your money back, every penny of it. And now you'd better get out of here before you get hurt. But, Bill... You... Yes, here I am, Johnny, darling. Both of you, I've been standing here listening, and... Get out of here, Kendrick. And you can take her with you. Good night. What a sucker. Tricked all the way. Tricked by a cheap little... No. No, she isn't cheap. I guess she did what she did because she had to. She tricked me into marrying her because it was 
that or being sent back to her own country and murder. I'll try to forget her, but I won't. No, I'll always love her. If these pleasures do thee move, come live with me and be my love. Yes, Johnny. Yes? Johnny? Johnny, where are you? Johnny, you didn't go with him. You stayed. Johnny, where are you? Are you in your room? No, Bill. There's nobody in here but us girl crickets. Oh, Johnny, darling. Johnny, darling. <laughs> Our star, Peter Lawford, will be back in just a moment. Now, Autolite presents Mr. Peter Lawford in Wilkie Collins' story, A Terribly Strange Bed, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Shortly after my education at college was finished, I happened to be staying in Paris with an English friend. We were both young men and lived, I'm afraid, rather a wild life in the city of our sojourn. And thus had probed the various refined pleasures suitable to our class and search for others less elegant. Search for them in the neighborhood of the Palais Royal, which lies covertly against the dark River Seine. And from each closed doorway, the small echoings of small promises. (laughs) That one, Henry. That doorway there. Oh, you're drunk, Gerald. Pleasantly, exquisitely, modestly, delicately am I drunk. And therefore... Therefore what, Gerald? The doorway I have suggested and the word Frascati painted on it. Noble word, noble mysteries. I've been there. Oh, sly, sly, sly and traitorous friend. You have been there. And alone, slyly and without me. And it has a ghastly kind of respectability. Five franc respectability, and it would would not not amuse amuse me. me. Come along, Gerald. Come along, Gerald. Hmm. That's it, Gerald. You're coming along very nicely. What I want, Gerald... Oh, what you want, Henry. Want and you shall find. Want and you shall find. What I want is somewhere where we can see a little genuine blackguard, poverty-stricken gaming with no false gingerbread glitter thrown all over it. No gingerbread for my friend. Thank you, Henry. A place not fashionable, not respectable... A place of evil, perhaps. And of emotions I've never known. Oh, Gerald, come along. Gerald will not come along. Gerald is content here. Listen to me. Gerald is content here to lean his weariness and his search against this doorway. Against... (laughs) Gerald! (laughs) The door had flung open behind him, and Gerald had fallen flat on his back. And for a while, laughed. Then, with my help, got up. And Gerald laughed no longer. For the room, the gaming room, was tragedy. Mute, weird tragedy. And the quiet in the room, horrible. And the people of the room, 
A thin, haggard, long-haired young man whose sunken eyes fiercely watched the turning up of the cards and never spoke. A flabby, fat-faced, perspiring player who registered on a pasteboard how often black won and how often red and never spoke. The dirty, wrinkled old man with the vulture eyes and the darn greatcoat who had lost his last sou and still looked on desperately and never spoke. The voice of the croupier. Red and black, make your bet. The voice of the croupier, dull and thick in the atmosphere of the room. We had entered on a laugh, but the spectacle before us was something to weep over. I'd found it. The pleasure I searched, I'd found it. Henry. Yeah? Your eyes. The look in them. Yes? <laughs> it's what you wanted, isn't it? The place of evil and of emotions you'd never... I want to play. Well, of course you do. Come then. Red and black, make your bets. Red and black, your bets. Red and black, your bets. A thousand francs on black. Black, black wins. Leave it. All of it black. Henry. Shh, wait. Black. Black wins. Leave it. All of it black. Henry. Yes. This is a passion for you. No, no, not a passion. Idle amusement. Yes, only amusement. Wait. Black. All of it. All of it red. This time red. Oh, not passion then. Intoxication, perhaps. Yes, intoxication. As I have never known it, intoxication. Yes. 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 Which has become... Red. Red wins. All of it, red. And 10,000 more. Oh, which has become passion. Which has become passion. Red. Red wins. Now, the black croupier. Black. Permit me, sir. <laughs> Permit me to restore to their proper place the two coins which were dropped. <laughs> there, in their proper place, a thousand francs. <laughs> a tall man, and quite fat, pinched into a frogged and braided soto. A man of goggling, bloodshot eyes, mangy moustaches, and a broken nose. And the dirtiest pair of hands I ever saw... Yet in the mad excitement, his look, his hands, held no repelling influence on me. For now in the mad excitement, in the reckless triumph, I was ready to accept even such as he. What wonderful luck is yours, sir. I pledge you my word of honor as an old soldier. In the course of my long experience in this sort of thing, never but never have I seen such luck as yours. Thank you. Ah, go on, sir. Boldly, handsomely, break the bank. I assure you, sir, I have every intention... Do it then, sir. Go on, break the bank. <laughs> My gallant English comrade, boldly, break the bank. All of it, black. And I did go on. Went on at such a rate that in an hour... Gentlemen, the bank has discontinued for tonight. In an hour, in an hour of a kind of ecstasy I'd never known, all the notes and all the gold in the bank now lay in a heap under my hands. 
The whole floating capital of the gambling house under my hands, waiting to pour into my pockets. No. No? No? Uh, no, not in your pockets, sir. Uh, for no breeches pockets whatever sold could hold such heavy winnings. Well, then how... Uh, may I take your pocket handkerchief, sir? Uh, thank you. Ah, tie it up, sir. Tie it up in your handkerchief, as we used to tie up a bit of dinner in the army. <laughs> ah, shovel it in. Uh, now then, sir, two tight double knots each way, with your permission. Ah, and the money's safe. Thank you. Feel it, feel it, sir. Hard and round, hard and round as a cannonball. Feel it. <laughs> ah, champagne, sir. I will buy you champagne. No, thank you. I... Well, for your friend, then. For Henry's friend, then. <laughs> Amiable, gracious Englishman. Champagne! Champagne for the friend, the conqueror of the bank, and for me. Ah, come, sirs, uh, to my table. <laughs> I am Fabian Nero, gallant sir. And you? Henry Calder. And this is my friend, Gerald Titchener. Henry, Gerald, Fabian. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Henry, Gerald. Thank, Thank you. Uh, Henry and Gerald. Fabian. We are friends, aren't we? To have touched your sleeves. To have you seated here beside me. <laughs> this old soldier's heart will burst. My eyes will weep. My hands will... Ah, ah the champagne. Ah, a toast, gentlemen. A toast to... Not for me, please. Oh, oh, of course not for you. Uh, Gerald and I, then. You and Gerald, Fabian. <laughs> a toast to the goddess Fortune, who embraced tonight our Henry and smiled secretly upon him and nestled very close. The goddess Fortune, gentlemen. An English cheer. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Ah. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah! <laughs> hurrah, hurrah, hurrah! <laughs> ah, Fabian, quickly enough. Yeah. Gerald, you were tipsy before. Now you'll... Henry, don't... not to permit the golden blood of France to flow through the veins of this vivacious Englishman. And Gerald, your friend. Oh, shame, Henry, shame. <laughs> Drink, Gerald. A uh, toast to France. To the present company, to the croupier. And the croupier's wife. And the croupier's daughter. Ah, the uh, croupier's uh, daughters, uh, and to ladies elsewhere, and to ladies... I should uh, like coffee, Fabian. Uh, uh, coffee? Coffee. For me and for Gerald. For our intoxication... Well, is... coffee it shall be. Uh, coffee! Coffee for the darling of fortune. Coffee! The word pronounced by Fabian Nero seemed to have a magical effect on the company present. They suddenly had lost interest and, and all rose to depart. Probably they had expected to profit by my intoxication, by the proffering of champagne. But finding I would have none of it, had now abandoned all hope of thriving pleasantly on my winnings. Whatever their motive might be, at any rate they went away in a body. And the silence of before was now deeper than ever. Then from a sort of vestibule at the far corner of the room, a woman appeared bearing a tray of coffee and glasses, and walked towards us, enveloped in silence. Woman of emaciated face and burning bright eyes and wisps of colorless hair drifting across her rouge cheeks. Your coffee, sir. Thank you. You will find it strong and good. Thank you. Strong and good, handsome sir. 
Here you are, sir. Thank you. For I am parched with thirst. And it was kind of you and of Fabian and gracious and generous. How wise you are, Henry, to drink this coffee of Millie's. The coffee of Millie Prudhomme. Millie Prudhomme. Divine Millie. Beautiful Millie Prudhomme. Oh, <laughs> handsome, sir. Will you have coffee? No. Champagne, Millie. Ah, to drink your beauty. <laughs> How wiser than your friend, Gerald, to drink coffee and rid yourself of your little amiable exaltation of spirits before you think of going home. And you must, my good and gracious friend, for with all that money... Good and gracious friend. With all that money to take home tonight, it is a sacred duty to yourself to have your wits about you. Drink, Henry. Drink your coffee. You are known to be a winner to an enormous extent by several gentlemen present tonight who are but mortal men, sir, and have their own amiable weaknesses. (laughs) Drink, Henry. Who'd surely rob and murder if you were to... Wait! Wait. Oh, yes, I'm ill. I'm very... What? He is ill. Very ill. I will weep. Henry is ill and I'm drunk. Millie will sob. Will you sob, Millie? Ill. A fit of giddiness. The room whirls round and round. Furiously. Henry! Your voice deafens me. Furiously! Oh, my dear friend, my dear friend... Madness to go home in your state. You would be robbed, murdered. You need a walking and then a sleep and not a murdering. A walking and then sleep and in a safe place, Henry. Yes. Yes, walk. Sleep. In a safe place. The place of Millie Prudhomme. A rooming house above the game room. And the capital beds of Millie's rooming house. I don't... Madness to go to your own home. Sleep at Millie Prudhomme's. And tomorrow, tomorrow... Go home safely with your winnings. Tomorrow, in full flow of life and in broad daylight. Tomorrow. Gerald, Fabian's right in If anyone needs sleep, you surely need Come then. Quickly. Come then, quickly. I will help you. Put your arm about me. That's the dear boy. Really? Yes, Gerald. Come. Ah, Injure, Henry. Here, the choicest room of Millie Prudhomme. The capital bed there. And the tasteful furnishing, and the deep sleep to be had, and the safe one. Till tomorrow, Henry. I don't know how to thank you. Oh, you have thanked me enough already with the exaltation of your splendid company. And that I could have been of some small service to your small malady. <laughs> oh, Millie. Well, let me go, Gerald. <laughs> oh, handsome, sir. <laughs> Oh, t- 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 come, Millie. Henry wants his sleep. Oh, it's a vine, Millie. It's a vine. Oh, Henry, she... Oh, Henry, she... Millie Prudhomme, she... Gerald passed into his particular oblivion in the middle of a sentence. I walked over and locked the door... 
Then I took my money, my winnings wrapped in a handkerchief, and placed beneath the pillow of my bed. I lay down. My senses still swam, and I looked up at the heavily brocaded canopy, and it seemed to move. Somehow to move. And for an instant I thought, this was a terribly strange bed. I could not sleep. Restlessness took me over, and I got out of bed. There was the dim, quiet flicker of a single candle, and next to it, a washstand. I plunged my face into the water. There was a single chair, and I sat down and tried to compose myself. Slowly, slowly, the giddiness left me. A shutter. And a window. Shutter attached by a single hinge and flapping against the side of the house. And no lock on the window. No way of locking the window. Henry. Gerald. Gerald, are you up? Uh, where, where? Where? In a room. Over the gaming place. It's all right. I've locked the door. But the window, it's... Window. And there's a window. Listen. Did you hear? I was wide awake, and every one of my senses seemed to be preternaturally sharpened. Piano and a song I had never heard, and then behind it... The laughter. Wide awake, yet somehow the effects of whatever drug I had drunk seemed suddenly to arise again. And for an instant, toy with my perception so that I reached for the wall to steady myself lest I fall down. Leaned against the wall for support. The jollity of the evening, children, and the youth from England. Oh, dear Millie, dear Millie, dear Millie. So it is. And Fabian, 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 the youth and his friend and his friend and the handkerchief now. He's such a dear boy. Yes. Such a dear boy. Yes. He's such a dear boy. He's such a dear boy. The moment their voices wavered and fled, a kind of melancholy seized me. I walked over to the window and looked out. Looked out upon blackness, a swarm of blackness. No shapes definable could be made out through the gloom, except a lighter grayness of a sort. As if an abutment of some kind, I supposed. Directly across the window and somewhat below it, but how far across and to what length below I could not determine. For all purposes then, I knew only that we were above the street level and some three stories. And having felt the walls directly adjacent the window, I found them to be sheer. No one could enter there. I walked over to the bed and took a pillow and placed it beneath Gerald's head. The bed again, and I lay down. This bed that now I was lying upon, I must again describe to you. A four-post bed with a regular top line with chintz. The regular fringed valance all around. It was ridiculous now that I tried to sleep. I couldn't even close my eyes. I resolved then to beguile the tedium of my wakefulness by making inventory of every article of furniture I could see. Window, washstand, chest, chair... Dressing table, picture. Upon the wall opposite the bed, a picture. A fellow in a high Spanish hat crowned with a plume of tiring feathers. A swarthy, sinister ruffian looking upward. It might be at some tall gallows on which he was going to be hanged. Such was the picture. Another chair, candlestick, 
picture. It seemed to be moving. The hat had been pulled over the eyes, and there... The hat itself was gone. The hat was gone. The plumes, the... Was the bed moving? No. No, it was a brief and terrible dream. How could the top of a bed move? Brief and terrible dream. Trick of the eye and the mind's going down for a moment into sleep. Yet... Yet I let my mind say it. The top of the bed had moved. Gerald. Gerald, wake up. Uh, huh? Open your eyes. Uh, well, now what? Shh, quietly. Keep your voice in a quiet tone. Why, 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 what? Shh, listen. Above you, directly above you, look, there's a picture. Do you see it? Yes. A minute ago, the man was wearing a hat. A hat? He was wearing a hat. Now he is not. Oh, my friend, you're very drunk. I'm very proud of you. You fool. Listen to me. All right, Henry. Where there was a hat... There's now a peephole, and we are being watched. All right, Henry. Now stay where you are, but be alert. All right, Henry. Henry. Yes. What are you going to do? Make sure of the thing. What thing? The bed. What? Keep your eye on the canopy. I'm going to lie in the bed now, Gerald, and make sure that they're not trying to murder us. How? By feigning sleep. What? By feigning sleep, Gerald, just that. Now, quiet. Yes. Now, I am constitutionally anything but timid. I have been on more than one occasion in peril of my life. And I have not lost my self-possession for an instant. But when the conviction settled on my mind that the bed top was actually moving, it loosed a feeling within me, foreign, laced through with terror... So I lay there, motionless, speechless, breathless. The candle spent went out, but the moonlight still brightened the room. I lay there. It descended. The whole canopy came down. Close down. Henry. I lay there. Henry. Literally spellbound by what was happening. Out of bed. But once I could not tell whether reality was here or my imagination was taking hold. Quickly, before they... Closer. Closer. Henry. Gerald's voice shattered this warm sea of fascination that bound me, and I leapt from the bed. Look. Look, Henry. Yes. There. The middle of the bed top. The huge wooden screw. Like a press. To smother me and relieve me of my winnings and then kill you. The light of the morning, Gerald, and look. It comes up and through the window, across the narrow shaft. Another building. We can leap it. Oh, not I. What? No, no, not I. It's, my legs are still unsteady. If I should stand up on that sill, I'd fall into space. Then wait. And hurry. Yes. Hurry. Hurry. The rest of my story is soon told. From the building next door, I reached the ground and sought police. With them, I returned. And Mr. Fabian was seized, as was Mrs. Prudhomme. The police congratulated me on my good fortune and Gerald's on his. 
and told us that they would probably never know how many people had been smothered in this diabolical bed. So tightly was the canopy pressed to the bed that I could not retrieve my money. The me mechanism had to be released from the room above. The police bade us go, and finding ourselves walking homeward, Gerald said to me, I know a place where gambling is carried on at such a fever pitch that you'll be carried to the heights of excitement. Needless to imagine, I refused to go along with Gerald. My adventure cured me of ever again trying Rouge et Noir as an amusement. The sight of a green cloth with packs of cards and heaps of money on it will henceforth be associated in my mind with the sight of a bed canopy descending to suffocate me in the silence and the darkness of the night. Mm -hmm.